6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. Want to get to the latest out of Ottawa. As you heard Kevin mention, there's been a bit of a break in the efforts to end that 10-day-old trucker protest in the capital. An Ontario Superior Court judge has granted a 10-day injunction to prevent truckers parked on city streets from honking their horns day and night. No details on how that injunction is going to be enforced. Today, the Ottawa Police Chief, Peter Slowly, says... He wants the mayor to ask for an additional 1,800 police and civilian personnel for immediate use until the end of the demonstration. The mayor, Jim Watson, says he's taken the request to the Ontario and federal governments. Meantime... On the federal level, uh, Public Safety Minister Marco Mendocino said today he wants to see a united response from all parties in the House of Commons. But you just heard that clip from the interim leader for the Conservatives, and it is anything but united. Uh, Most of us are wondering how this is going to end and if the military might or could be involved. Let's chew on that this afternoon with Dr. Christian Luprecht, who is a security expert at the Royal Military College in Queen's University. His latest book is titled Intelligence as Democratic Statecraft. Christian, welcome back to the show. Hello. Okay, so I've got so many questions for you on this front, uh, Dr. Luprecht, and I'm going to start with this. From your seat uh, as an expert on security and defense, your thoughts on what's happening in Ottawa right now and how police are handling this? Yeah, so I think Ottawa police have taken, of course, a lot of criticism, but I'm not sure that criticism is entirely warranted. So there are clearly things that went off the rails. I would think that the initial threat assessment that would be done before any protest by a police force uh, was inadequate. It probably underestimated the determination of the protesters, the extent of the organization, and the extent of the resourcing and funding that was behind this Mm. movement. Uh, But I also wonder whether for instance, the Police Services Board in Ottawa didn't ask enough hard questions. We know that this has been a problem with major protests in Canada before. Um, listeners might remember the G7, G20 in Toronto and the kettling of protesters and the Morden Report in 2012 was very critical of the uh, Toronto Police Services Board, which in Edmonton would be a police commission um, for not having asked the right questions and the hard questions of the chief uh, before the protest. So we'll have to see whether the democratic accountability structures Mm. um, uh, also fails here. But I think to Chief Slowly's credit, I mean, he's basically said the Ontario Police Services Act does not give him the legislative tools and does not foresee uh, enforcement uh, against this type of protest and that he doesn't have the resources Mm -hmm. uh, to enforce against this type of protest. And that's why we saw Mayor Jim Watson declare a state of emergency because that now allows uh, the command and control function over this process to be scaled up uh, to the Ontario Provincial Police. And that makes good sense because, of course, the OPP has longstanding experience with occupations, notably, for instance, Brantford and uh, the land defenders in Brantford, um, but also if you think of the, the rail lines um, mm-hmm. at Tyndinaga that were blocked in 2020 for um, a good three weeks. Um, so in that regard, uh, the OPP is also a bigger police force. Uh, it has uh, different intelligence and command and control and surge capacity functions. Uh, it also means that now the provincial government is involved because it reports to the Solicitor General. 
um, in Ontario. And so it means you can also get a different level of coordination among the different police forces, because remember, there are eight different law enforcement agencies uh, <laughs> that are in charge of different parts of the parliamentary precinct. So there is a significant coordination problem. Uh, what I'm surprised by is um, that uh, after the 2014 uh, shooting up of Parliament Hill by uh, Zihaf Bibo um, and all the changes that have been made, uh, we were not uh, more proactively postured for this type of event. Dr. Luprecht, there's a lot of people that are saying, hey, you know what, why don't we just send the military in? It's it's happened uh, a couple of times uh, over the over the decades. Uh, there's a lot of process that has to go through before that can happen. Uh, the PM uh, said last week that his government uh, had no plans for military involvement in what they see as a police matter. Uh, the defense minister on Thursday said the military is not a police force and there are no plans uh, for them to get involved in Ottawa. It would seem to me like it would be a very bad idea to have the military involved in this if you if you turn uh, the Canadian military onto Canadian citizens. There are two legislative provisions under which the military could be used. One is the Emergency Act, um, and it has never been deployed under the new Emergency Act, um, or Section 273 of the National Defense Act, under which the military is regularly deployed. For instance, in support, when uh, local police go on the hunt for grow-ups, they mm-hmm. often bring a military helicopter along to try to identify those grow-ups. Uh, so um, in that regard, the military does have um, a mandate to support law enforcement function, but of course the military is not a law enforcement agency and is not trained as a law enforcement uh, agency. And there's also no need to bring in the military because there are plenty of uniformed police officers around. As I mentioned, there's eight police uh, organizations that are involved in policing the parliamentary precinct. Some of these are the largest organizations in the country. The RCMP, the Ontario Provincial Police, uh, the Sûreté du Québec, so the Quebec Provincial Police. We know that Toronto Police is already on site with several resources. So this is not a capacity, a policing capacity problem. Uh, There's enough members that you could bring in. You could bring in even enough members if you decided to clear out the process uh, in terms of uh, emergency response teams, the public order units, and so forth. I think the only reason why anyone's even talking about the military is what do you do about the trucks? Mm -hmm. Because you can clear out the protesters, but you're still going to have dozens or hundreds of trucks parked on these downtown streets. There's only one organization in the country where people on a large scale have driver's licenses that allow them to drive trucks, and only one organization that has on a large scale flatbed trucks (laughs) uh, and other equipment with which you could actually haul these trucks out from downtown uh, Ottawa. And the challenge here is, yeah, you could ask your local CAA guy and give them a contract, but what if these protests, for instance, turn uh, uh, fisticuffs or violent? Now Mm -hmm. you're putting uh, a civilian contractor's lives at risk, and so bringing in the military for that purpose would mean that the federal government owns the liability because, of course, members of the military are subject to unlimited liability, which means that they can be ordered uh, into harm's way. So I think this is uh, the only reason why the military is even part of this conversation. How do you see this ending? 
we're going to have to wait it out. I think what we saw over the weekend in major provincial capitals across this country in terms of protests was a shot across the bow that if you take heavy-handed enforcement action against the protesters in Ottawa, um, you will have protests spring up across this country in major cities, possibly people blocking border crossings, possibly people snarling traffic on major highways. Uh, Look, I mean, the protest is disruptive. Uh, Some of the members, uh, the people that are taking part in these protests, clearly have uh, ideas that you and I uh, find fundamentally objectionable, including delegitimizing our democratic uh, institutions. But so far, they have not exhibited behavior that might necessarily warrant um, significant um, uh, enforcement action against this particular protest. They're not snarling the Canadian economy. Uh, They're not being hugely politically disruptive. Uh, So I I think in that sense, there's a sense of let's wait it out. You can already see that police are changing their enforcement tactics. Mm -hmm. They've moved the staging areas Mm -hmm. for protesters, for meals, significantly further out. That makes it more inconvenient for protesters. It also means you have better surveillance capacity, which is more difficult to have in downtown Ottawa and sort of the narrow streets. You also see various efforts to try to go after some of the sources of funding, in particular some of the dark money that seems to be uh, out there in terms of shutting those uh, those down and sort of starve out the protests because, of course, most truckers get paid when they drive. So um, if you're depriving them of other sources of income, eventually people will go home. That's what happened in 1977 in Quebec City when they had a two-week truck protest. But I think the real concern now is, and you heard it from Chief Slowly, is he referred to it as an insurrection. Mm-hmm. And he also previously had mentioned that uh, they had intelligence that weapons were being funneled uh, to some of the protesters. And I think the real concern is, um, is there a risk of having a January 6th type riot um, uh, on Capitol Hill on your hands in Parliament? Because, of course, Parliament is currently sitting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, is there a chance that protesters might try to storm Parliament? And I think this is the uh, this is the real concern, and this is why people are not talking about this as a national security matter. Uh, before I let you go, Dr. Lupra, curious to know, um, as well as uh, from your seat as a political scientist as well, I mean, a lot of questions being asked about uh, the Prime Minister and how he has handled this. I mean, some inflammatory uh, comments uh, at the start of this. We haven't really heard much uh, from him since then. There's a lot of people wondering where the heck the Prime Minister is and and why he hasn't taken uh, more of a front and centre role in this. Your thoughts? Well, uh, the initial communication strategy by the Prime Minister on this process is probably not the advice that I would have provided to him, Uh, but he clearly has people who are better and smarter than me uh, who thought differently. Um, The fact that he is, and and as you pointed out, that was certainly perceived by some groups as inflammatory. I think when the opposition decided, some members of the opposition decided to come out uh, in favor of the protest, the political, tactical inclination was to come out uh, against the protesters. But of course, then, as you pointed out, that inflamed the situation substantially and I think contributed to some of the actions that that we saw then in Ottawa. Um, The challenge now is the protesters, or some of them say they want to talk to the prime minister, but if I'm the prime minister, 
the challenge here is this is not one cohesive group mm-hmm. with one clear leader or leadership structure. Mm-hmm. This is a bunch of disparate groups, and they have disparate demands. So even if you sat down with one group and say you even negotiated an end to the protest with that group, there's no guarantee that other groups would actually adhere to that. And of course, some of the demands that are being made are completely outside of the liberal democratic institutional constitutional framework within which Canada operates. So some of these things are completely off the table to begin with. So in that regard, you know, I'd be saying if I'm the government, you know, there's no one here I can really talk to. So what would I say or who would I sit down with? So why don't we just kind of lay low and lay back and uh, see if, uh, you know, it is auto- it is February in Ottawa, the second coldest capital in the world. Um, <laughs> you and Edmonton know exactly what that feels like. So I think there's perhaps some hope that if they can starve them of uh, fuel, uh, they can starve them of financial resources, that eventually um, a, a large enough number of the protesters will go home, that the protest will just fizzle out. Well, we'll leave it there this afternoon. Always appreciate your time. Thank you for this. It's been my pleasure. Thank you.